Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Aris Zukanayan. Now, church, it's a brand new year, and uh, I don't know about you, but I am already looking forward to Chinese New Year. Hallelujah, right? And uh, isn't it the same with every single one of us? Almost every year, that the year passes by very fast. In fact, last year, 2018, just passed by so fast, and before you know it, it is already 2019. And just like how you and I will experience that this year, the year will pass by very fast. And before you know it, Chinese New Year is just around the corner. And just before you know it again, it's back to Christmas 2019. Hallelujah, right? But I just want to share a piece of great news to everyone, and I want to thank you for your uh, prayers and for your contribution and for your help and for your effort, especially during our two Christmas weekends in 2018, both for the candlelight and our Christmas uh, weekend services. We want to thank you guys and we want to give God the glory because in all our combined services from the English service, the Chinese service, the dialect service, the Harvest Kids, the Jam service, and even our prison ministry, we saw a total of 1,910 decisions for Jesus Christ for the two weekends. Come on, let's give God a big hand for that. Hallelujah. Now, just for the English services alone and together with the Chinese service, because we were combining over those two weekends, we saw a total of 663 decisions. So let's give God a big round of applause one more time, shall we? To God be the glory. So thank you so much, and let's just keep on winning the loss, winning the souls, uh, because that's what God has called us to do, right? To keep on winning the loss and to keep on winning our family members to Jesus Christ. Now, church, today, as we begin to begin, as we begin to start uh, our first sermon for 2019, we do not want to go through another year being busy and yet not progressing. How many of you can say amen? You know what, church? What we want this year is growth, not just change. And you know what? Because not all change will lead to growth. But if you grow, you will change. You see, for many of us, we are so sucked in by this myth that having a new year means we need to have new resolutions. We need to experience new things. Or we need to change to something new. Because we believe that new things equals growth. But church, that's not necessarily so. What we want is growth. What we want is progress, not just change. And again, I want to remind you, not all change will lead to growth, but if you grow this year, you will certainly change. That's why every beginning of every year, every one of us are always looking out for new things. And we are always looking out on what things that we need to change for us. But perhaps there could be a confusion here because you and I are always looking out for new things or something to change Maybe it's not new that you are looking out for, but probably a better word is the word novelty. What novelty things that you want to experience this year? And to you, new novelty things, new experiences equate to growth. But church, I want to ask you and I want to tell you one more time. We always ask ourselves this question. What are the new things that we need to improve? What are the new things that you and I need to embark upon? so that my life this year can change, my life this year can become better. What changes we must make 
in order to revive my career. And we become so focused with change, or probably a better word is novelty, that we think that those things is required to revive our lackluster life. For example, we are always looking out this year, what new environment that can I go to or can I experience? Maybe I need a new place. I've been staying in this place for too long. I need a new place. Or probably some of you are, have been grumbling about your job, so, say, so you're saying, I need a new job. Because I think that by having a new job, I will experience growth. Maybe some of you are so sick and tired of your old boss. And you tell yourself, this year, 2019, I need a new boss. <laughs> and some of you, you are saying, I need a new diet. Keto diet doesn't work for me. <laughs> Carbo diet doesn't work for me. And you've been trying all the diets in the world. And so you are looking out for new diets, new diets that work. Now, church, can I just tell you one thing? If you want to see change and you want to see growth, sometimes it doesn't require new things. Sometimes what you need is not new things, but what you need is that you need to be faithful and be committed to the current assignment. Now, that's the thing that I want to share with you this morning. What if this year in 2019, that it is not new that you need, but it is renew that you need? You see, church, the Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Do you notice that as you wait upon the Lord, the Bible says God didn't give you a new strength. But if you learn to wait upon the Lord, God says God will renew your strength. That means the current strength will be recharged, will be refreshed, and will be renewed so that you and I can have the ability to be able to go through another year and experience your breakthrough in Jesus' name. You see, church, not all new things will translate to growth. You see, sometimes if you really want to see growth in your life, it's not about God giving you new things or you experiencing new experiences. No, sometimes what you need is to stay in the current situation. Now, at the beginning of this year, even as I was preparing this message, I was praying to the Lord, Lord, give me supernatural power so that I can experience breakthroughs in my life. And the Lord began to remind me, maybe it's not a supernatural power that you need to break through. But maybe what you need is not supernatural power, but staying power. You see, search, sometimes what you need to do is just to stay and not give up. Then the breakthrough will come. Always, if you want to see growth, it's not to uproot yourself and move to a new environment. If you want to grow, learn how to stay. That's why if you want to grow in your marriage, how do you grow in your marriage? By staying faithful to one spouse. You cannot, growing, you cannot grow your marriage by changing your husband every year. You cannot grow in marriage by changing your wives every two years. And parents, you cannot grow by being good parents. You cannot grow in parenting by changing your children every year even though you want it to be like that. You can only grow when you learn to stay and be faithful with your one spouse and with the same children. Come on, give God a big hand. That's why it's not new, but it's to renew. 
And church, you cannot, you don't think that, you know what, I need to grow in my spiritual life, so I need to change church. You think that you can grow by keep on changing church? No, you can only grow when you learn to stay in one church. Hallelujah. This year, I want you to pray, God, give me staying power. Not supernatural power. Staying power. God, I need you to pray, God, give me a renewed mindset. Not a new mindset, but a renewed mindset. You need to renew your mind. That in order for you to grow, it's not to change cell groups every two months. It's not to change your cell group leader. What you need to do in order to grow in your spiritual life this year is to learn to stay in the same cell group with the same cell group leader in the same church in Jesus' name. Come on, give God a bit of applause. Amen. That's why the Bible says, those who learn to wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Not God giving you a new strength, but the old one refreshed, recharged, and renewed. That's why we in our culture, or especially in Asia, we become addicted to new things. So much so that we think that new things is the key to revival. No, church, prayer is still the key to revival. No matter how you package it, no matter how you try to change the packaging in order to make it something new, still you have to pray until revival comes into your life. And the problem with our culture is that our culture is rich with change but poor in growth. And instead of those changes that we experience becoming ingredients in a long and wise growth for our life, they simply replace. And the thing is that it becomes a vicious cycle. The previous discarded, the new implemented. Until you are bored by the novelty and we run after the next fad. And this becomes a vicious cycle for each and every one of us every year. And sometimes it leads to frustration and leads you to nowhere, no progress. Church, what we want is growth, not change. And sometimes for you to grow, it's not something new. Maybe the way for you to grow is to be renewed. And maybe the way for you to grow is that you need to have a staying power to stay and be faithful in the current assignment. That's why, what if we start this brand new year in 2019 having a renewed mentality? How many of you can say amen? Instead of feeling frustrated, asking God to give you a new assignment, why not do the current assignment but with a new anointing, a fresh anointing? Because those who learn to wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Oh, come on, hallelujah, this morning. Renew their strength. That's why church, destiny or breakthrough is often wrapped behind a routine, not just a new opportunity. And that's why to kickstart this brand new year, I want to start by speaking or touching on the very most basic or probably a very boring issue, but it's very necessary, and that is our quiet time. Turn to your neighbor and tell them your quiet time. Amen, right? And if your neighbor is talking while I'm preaching, tell them, quiet time. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> right? 
tell them it's quiet time. Hallelujah, right? Now, some of you call this prayer time. Some of you call this devotion. Some of you call this personal prayer life. But the Bible calls them all with this one single term, and the Bible calls it Selah. Now, please forgive my pronunciation. Because when I hear from Pastor Bobby, who is, of course, more educated in terms of theology than me, amen, right? He pronounced it as Sila. I do not like to call it as Sila. Because I do not want you to start the year by calling yourself Sila, Daila, or Sila, Lord, Sila God. Look at my current situation, Sila. No, no, no. I prefer my Indonesian pronunciation, Sela. Hallelujah, right? Sela. So today I want to talk about Sela, our prayer time, our devotion, our prayer life. Somebody turn to your neighbor and tell them, Sela. Now, I want to bring you to this passage that I've been meditating ever since the candlelight service pertaining to the story of the Shunammite woman. It's found in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8 to verse 11. And how many of you today are awake to hear the Word of God? Amen. Let's pick up the story again. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunam where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. And so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Verse 12, so he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among many people. That means, Lord, I don't need nothing. I'm satisfied. So he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said to her, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. What a great story. And I've been meditating on this verse since candlelight service. And there are two things to take note. And it is still relevant for us at the beginning of this year for the first sermon in 2019. Do you notice, number one, that the Bible says that Elisha has been visiting her house regularly. Now church, God has been visiting you regularly. Every time you come to church, God is here and God is always touching you, visiting your life regularly. How many of you can say amen? But do you notice that it is only when she decided to make room for God, then she received a word for the, from the Lord for something that she has been missing out in her life. Now church, this is a good story because it reminds us, don't go through another year doing the same thing and miss out what God wants to do through you this year. The Bible says that she was very wealthy and she is very successful. But church, behind those successes, 
God knows that she lacks purpose and a succession. She had no son. And Bishop Bronner said this, success is not a success without a successor. Success is not through success without a successor. And that's what this woman needs. Church, God knows your deepest needs. He doesn't just know your needs. He knows your deepest needs. And the thing is this, every week you can come to church, God will touch you. God visits you regularly. But it is only when you make time for God. It is only when you make room for God. Suddenly, God will speak into your deepest needs. God will go deeper into your life and begin to declare out, call out the purpose. And of course, create longevity in everything that you do for Him. Again, take note, it is only when this woman decided to make room for God and only then God speaks to her into her deepest needs. Number two, do you notice that even though Elisha has been visiting her house regularly, he didn't even notice her deepest needs. <laughs> and it is, why? Why is that so? Because her needs has been concealed or masked behind the woman's success and busyness. You see, church, all this while, Elisha had been coming, visiting her house regularly, but yet he could not see her deepest needs. But it was only when he rested in that room, it was only when that room was available for him to come into, to rest, and to seek God, suddenly God began to speak to him. Again, church, why is it important for you and I to sell out before the Lord. Church, because don't just pray until God speaks to you. Because God is speaking to you every day. But you need to pray until you hear from God. Every week, you and I come to church, God is speaking to you, but only left this place hearing what God is speaking to you. And that's the reason why you and I need to make room for God at the beginning of this year. Because don't go through another year being busy and think that you are progressing. You are only fulfilling your purpose when you are doing what God wants you to do. And you can only hear God when you begin to stop your busyness to make room for God and to sell before the Lord. How many of you can say amen? This year, don't begin the year by again being busy, going through your normal routine without having a purpose or longevity. Don't get burned out by June. Some of you are already burned out by February. Don't get started this year. So busy until you don't hear from God. And church, God wants to speak to you. And if God speaks to you, and when your spirit becomes aligned with His will, let me tell you, this year is going to become the best year for your life and you are going to be so filled with purpose and longevity in everything that you do. Come on, give God a big round of applause. <laughs> Hallelujah. So how do you do it? How do you do? Hear God and to ensure that 2019 is full of purpose and longevity. Do like what this woman did. She made room for God. Somebody say with me, I need to make room for God. Now, the Bible says that she began to renovate her room. She renovated her quiet time. She renovated the upper room. She began to rebuild her altar before the Lord. Church, Matthew 6 verse 6 says this, When you pray, go into your room. 
close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Why? Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly this year in 2019. That's why she did the most important thing at the beginning of a year. And that is she renovated her quiet time. She renovated her prayer time. She renovated her upper room. And how did she renovate her upper room? She went to Ikea to buy a new bed. You need to renovate your upper room. You need to renovate your quiet time by buying yourself a new bed. Getting yourself a new table. And ensuring that your chair is still working. And ensuring that you have a nice, good, well-lit lampstand. Church, that's what your quiet time must be. Your quiet time must involve a bed, a table, a chair, and a lampstand. And today, for this service, we can only talk about one thing, and that is the bed. Hallelujah. <laughs> but don't fall asleep on me. Amen, right? The bed. You need to renovate your upper room by getting yourself a new bed. Now, what does the bed speak to us of? The bed speaks to us, speaks to us of our faith to rest in God. Now, the table is a place of fellowship and communion. The chair is our worship because God sits in the presence of God is enthroned in the praises of His people. And lastly, the lampstand is the Word of God. Revelation. You and I need to get a new revelation from God. You and I need to hear and read the Word of God and go deeper into the Word of God. But just for this week, we can only talk about the bed. And the bed symbolizes the faith to rest in God. And that's what it means to learn to selah before the Lord. Somebody say with me, selah. Now, selah means the faith to rest. Now, church is important. Now, why is it that it's important for you and I to practice the faith to rest in God? Because as Christians, we are more familiar with the faith to work or with the faith at work or with the faith to ensure that our work is successful. We Christians are more familiar with faith at work, but we are not so familiar with faith to rest in God. But yet, faith to rest in God is as important as your faith at work. But yet, we as Christians tend to put a little bit more weight to the faith at work because it produces more results. Because the results are more seen. The results are more visible. But the faith to rest, to us, is a waste of time. It's unproductive. But church, I want you to know this one thing. The faith to rest will ensure that your faith at work works. How many of you can say amen, right? And that's the thing. We Christians are very unfamiliar with the faith to rest. And that's why many Christians ended up being restless. Even in service, you cannot stay still to hear the Word of God. Five minutes pass, your buttocks is itchy already. <laughs> Learn to faith to rest, to hear the Word of God, to wait upon the Lord so that your strength can be renewed in Jesus Christ. Who can say amen? Now, this is important. The opposite of rest is work. And God knows it's precisely that you and I are working too much. That's why we need to learn how to stop 
and rest in Him. Now church, work is very important. How many of you can say amen to that? But as much as work is very important, there is one thing that you and I need to be careful as you continue to work and as you continue to get more and more successful. Now church, usually, when you first meet someone on the street or when someone brought a new friend to church, what is the first thing that you will ask that person? The first question would be, what is your name? Am I saying that, right? Now today, if you do not know me, and right, and you want to get to know me, so what do we do? We meet, and we introduce ourselves, and we ask, what is your name? And so we tell you, I tell you, my name is Aris Zulkarnain, and most people will be amazed at my name. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> oh, okay, right? Now, after you introduce yourself, after you give them your name, what is the second question that usually follows? The second question that usually follows is, what are you working as? Or where are you working? Now, interesting for me, everywhere I go, first question they ask me, what is my, what is my name? I tell them, my name is Aris Zukarnain. They are already amazed. Oh, what a name. <laughs> the second question they ask me, where are you working as? I tell them, City Harvest Church. They are even more amazed. Wow, hallelujah, right? <laughs> that church, ah? yes, that church, hallelujah, right? <laughs> so both questions always grab people's attention, hallelujah, amen, right? Now, so therefore, first you identify yourself. Secondly, you tell them what you are working as. Now, therefore, our work expresses our identity. Now, church, our work is not our identity. But our work expresses our identity. And this is the very order that God created at the very beginning when He created Adam. When He created Adam, He gave Adam an identity. You are my son. You are my creation. And then after that, God gave Adam work. And the work that He does in the garden is supposed to express His identity in God. Your work should express your identity in God. Your work should express your relationship with God. Your work should express your worship. How many of you can say amen? You see, that's why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 confirms it. He says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Now, this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So after God saves you, He gives or He saves us to do good works. So therefore, the work that you and I are doing in life is supposed to express our identity in God. It is supposed to reflect our relationship with God in a marketplace. And church, I want to remind you, this order must be correct. Your worship must express your work. Your work must express your identity in God. Who can say amen? amen? Now, the order must be correct. Because if our relationship with God is healthy, then your work will reflect that healthy relationship. Now, for example, David. You know, when David was chosen to become king, he didn't immediately become king. But the Lord put him into the palace 
to work under King Saul. Now, church, you must understand, King Saul was not a very good boss. In fact, King Saul was a terrible boss. So terrible that this boss is always wanting to kill him. Can you imagine having such a boss? But yet, David, even though he worked under a terrible boss, still, David was able to submit to this boss and to do his work excellently and to the point that he always gained promotion and favor. Why? Because he was able to perform well even though he was not treated well because his order with God is correct. His healthy relationship with God is expressed out in his work performance. He was able to perform well even though he was not treated well because he is well with God. Come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah, right? Somewhere along the line, if our work is not expressing out our worship before the Lord, then what you need to repair is not the work. You need to repair is your relationship with God. And that's how David lived through his life, even though he was working under a terrible boss. Why? Because his order in life is correct. He had a healthy relationship with God. That's why his work performance is also healthy. But the problem with us, especially Christian, is this. As we get busier and more successful in our work, now church, listen to this. As we become busier, as we become more successful, listen, our work no longer expresses our identity in God Instead, it conceals our identity and relationship in God. And that's why we need to start the year by Selah before the Lord. Because we need to get the order right again. How many of you can say amen? Because the work should express our identity. But probably the last, 20, the last year, 2018, has been so busy and you are performing so well and you become so successful and you need to check your heart. Is your worship right now still expressing out? Is expressed through your work? Or is your work right now hiding or concealing your identity with God? You see, church, work can conceal our real identity. In fact, it can be used as a front to advertise something that we want people to see in us or believe about us, but that, in fact, we have never bothered to become within ourselves. And this can become a, ses, a source of stress and frustration in our life. You see, church, when you and I begin to see praying and devotion, right, it's supposed to be an expression of your worship, right, in your work. But as you begin to get busier in life, somewhere along the line, your spirit is no longer aligned with God, and therefore, you no longer see prayer and devotion as something that needs to be done, but as a distraction. And that's why this is dangerous. That's why you need to start the year by selahing before the Lord. So that you can have your heart recalibrated. So that you can have your spirit realigned. So that you and I are back into the correct order again. That your work is an expression of your worship instead of your work concealing your worship your real identity in God. Amen. How many of you can say amen? amen? But pastor, why is it so important for us to do that? 
Why is it that work or disorder must always be correct in our life? Maybe that's the question that you and I are asking today. Because it's dangerous. Let me, sh- let me share with you why is it that it's so dangerous. Jesus says in Mark 8 verse 36, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or can I say to you in the, in the current version, what profit a man if he is so successful and loses his spiritual life? You see, for you to have purpose and longevity in your work, you need to learn to sell. You need to learn to rest in God. Why? So that when work becomes busier and more successful, you are still able to identify for yourself. Are you still worshipping God? Or are you now worshipping God to make you successful? Why is it important that you and I need to have your order right in life? Because the order must be correct so that you and I can differentiate. Are you worshipping God? Or have you right now come to church to make you successful? Worshipping God just to make you successful. And church, can I tell you the difference between these two is a very thin and fine line that you don't even realize it. And the thing is this, when you have gone over to the other side, you won't even realize it. You won't even recognize it. And that's why you need to selah. You need to rest in God so that God can make that distinct line clear to you and that you are always in the right order and that you are always worshipping God genuinely, not worshipping God just to, in order, make you successful. How many of you can say amen to that this morning? Listen, church, it's very dangerous because if you begin to start turning over to the other side before you even realize it, you will lose your spiritual life. You will lose your soul. And let me tell you, I want to illustrate this point by sharing with you the story of King Saul. Somebody say with me, King Saul. You know what, church? When King Saul was elected to be king, he was from the least of all tribes. That means he came from the most humble beginnings, from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, the Bible says that he, was, he came from the smallest tribe and he was a nobody that rose up to the scene to become a successful king pretty quickly. He started off very well. He came from the least of all tribes. But because of the favor of God that is upon him, Now, not just favor that God was upon him. The Bible says that King Saul was the tallest of all. That's why if you want to be successful, you must be tall. That's why please pray for Pastor Aris here. I'm very short. That's why it's it's always a struggle for me. People who are taller than me is always more successful than me. Right? Now, secondly, not just he is tall, he's very handsome. Wow. You know, that's why, do you guys remember when Pastor Chong was preaching here? Do you guys remember when he was like, swanning me till kingdom come? Hallelujah, amen, right? (laughs) You know, I told him he should change his sermon from spare my family to spare me. (laughs) Amen, right? Now, so, you know, Pastor Chong, right? I'm I'm very different from Pastor Chong. He's very handsome. 
So I would just stop like that. Hallelujah. If not, he would swan me some more. Amen, right? So King Saul was successful because not only the favor of God was upon him, he came from humble beginnings but he, and he had the favor of God, but yet he had great personality and he has great physique. So he is made right to become king. Now, the Bible says that he rose up to the scene very quickly and became a very popular king. Now, 1 Samuel 10, 24, Samuel said to all the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? That there is no one like him among all the people. And when the people saw him, they shouted, long live the king. Can you imagine just having to see him? They all love him already. Wow. Wow. Amen. Hallelujah, right? I tried that. It didn't work on me. Amen, right? <laughs> so he became a very good king. Now, not only he became a very good king, he became a very powerful and successful king. He displayed wisdom, compassion in his rule over Israel. He displayed great military leadership capabilities. He soon led Israel to many victories in battles and expanded the kingdom and territories of Israel. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 14, Saul established his sovereignty over Israel, fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed them. He gathered an army, attacked the Amalekites, delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. Wow! King Saul came from humble beginning, rose up to the scene quickly, successful, and became a great king. Now, church, this is a story of everyone. This is a story of our life. You see, when you and I came to church, you were a nobody. You were short in vision. But when you come to God, you are right now tall with purpose. How many of you can say amen? amen. You were ugly in sin, but now you are made beautiful, pure, as white as snow. You are now made to become the bride of Christ. And pretty soon you rose up to the scene quickly. You were poor. And we always say this, you may be poor today, but the moment you come to know God, you will not stay poor forever. And you start gaining wisdom. You start gaining blessing. You start becoming more and more prosperous. Now church, but in every one of our life, just like King Saul, in our mind, we always have goals that you in your mind imagine and believe that if God will bless me with these goals, it will solidify my status as successful. I give you an example. And how many of you still love Pastor Aris? Huh? Amen, right? <laughs> now, yesterday, I wanted to give an illustration that probably is more uh, that you and I can identify. But I thought to myself, it's too personal. So I use my personal example. I always make myself as a joke. Hallelujah. Amen, right? <laughs> now, for example, now, my family in Indonesia, we have a factory. Now, we are woven, printed labels manufacturer. Now, if you guys do not know, my family make these garment labels. Okay, right? So, as an industrialist, as a businessman with my family, we always have this idea, two goals in life, that if we can get orders from Nike and Adidas, it will solidify my status as successful. Because if I can get a long-term contract with Nike and Adidas, basically all my machines can run 24 hours non-stop. Because their orders is by the millions of pieces every month. 
and it is only just one, one brand item. There are many, many, many items, right? I'm sure you get that. So in my mind, God, every day I'm praying, Father, bless me with a contract from Nike and from Adidas. Because if Nike and Adidas can give me a long-term contract order, it will solidify my status as King Saul of the North. Hallelujah. Amen, right? <laughs> Games of Thrones. Amen, right? <laughs> I am the king. Now, church, this is what happened to King Saul. As King Saul became more and more successful, there are two main arch enemies of Israel that he thought to himself that if I were to be able to beat them, it will solidify my status as king. And who are Israel's two main arch rivals? The Philistines and the Amalekites. You know, church, now it's just like me, praying to God every day, God, give me Nike and Adidas. He is praying at the same time, God, give me the Philistines and the Amalekites. Now, church, take note. We all started with nothing, but you and I begin to get more blessed. And take note, as we become busier and more successful in life, that you and I don't forget our devotion and time with Jesus. Who can say amen? amen. Why? Those successes can blur our vision and turn our hearts away from worshipping Jesus into worshipping Jesus in order to make us successful. And that's what happened to Saul. Behind those successes and victories, we begin to see Saul slowly drifting away from God. That's why, church, success doesn't guarantee you to fall in love with Jesus more. Sometimes success can turn you away from Jesus more. How many of you can say amen? That's why we need to selah. We need to rest in God so that our hearts can be recalibrated again so that we can start the year right with the right heart and with the right attitude. Now, church, do you know Saul stopped going after God and now begins to get addicted to his work? And the danger is this. Because we become more, because we become more committed in our work, because we become more hardworking in order to cause our work to be successful, our work will not show any deterioration. In fact, our work will get better and better and our works will become more and more successful. And this it's even more dangerous because it blinds us from our relationship with God. And church, and that is the thing. When God, when Saul began to pray and begin to say, Lord, I want Philistines and I want the Amalekites. And church, how many of you know that God loves you? If you work hard, if you are talented, you will get your goals you will achieve those things that you have put yourself to be. How many of you can say amen? If you can see it, you can have it. But church, what matters to God is not the blessing. What matters to God is this. Can you still keep your selah moment with Him? Can you keep your hearts right before the Lord? And the thing is this. We need to selah so that our hearts are constantly checked, calibrated to see if we are still aligned to God or with God or not. Are we still addicted to God? Or are we now addicted to God to make us successful? How many of you can say amen? And remember, out of our heart flows the issues of life. And church, just a little bit variant, a little bit of variant in our hearts 
will lead us very far away at the end of 2019 from God. How many of you can say amen? All it requires from God or from the devil is that there is a slight variant in your heart towards God. And just a slight variant will direct you to the wrong destination at the end of 2019 from God. That's why in the case of Saul, those two victories, the Philistines and the Amalekites, it's supposedly to solidify his status as a king. But church, those two victories, in fact, turn his heart away from God. Now church, I want to encourage you. Why is it that you need to sell her? Because when you think that you have achieved the top of the pinnacle of your career, and you think that God is with you, sometimes, even though you are successful, God may not be pleased with you. And that's why we need to sell her. We need to recalibrate our hearts. We need to realign ourselves and to ask ourselves, are we still worshipping Jesus or are we now worshipping God in order to make me successful? Come on, Sunday morning, let's give God a big hand this morning, shall we? Those victories, instead of affirming His loyalty towards God, it emboldened His heart to drift further away from God. Instead of affirming His loyalty, those victories, in fact, emboldened Him to drift further away from God. Now, church, this is something that I learned in my life. If every single day I pray, God, give me Nike and Adidas, and if God really gave those two contracts, for my factory. Do you know that if I got those two contracts in my factory, I don't need to be here. Hallelujah, right? I don't need to be here. <laughs> right? But the thing is that until today, I still have not gotten those contracts. Maybe, probably, God knows what is in my heart. What will I become? You understand? And until I learn how to always recalibrate, realign my heart with God, God is then ready to bless me with even more. Now church, that's the thing. Are you ready when the blessing comes? Some people, when they pray and God give them the blessing, instead of affirming your loyalty to God, it emboldens you to drift further away from God. Church, I'm not talking about Adidas or Nike, you know. Maybe to some of you, there are two main goals in life. I do not know. Million dollar table, uh, closing a deal uh, in, in Orchard Road, uh, you know, closing deals everywhere, having two, three million dollars business deal. Church, God wants to bless you. But if those successes and victories, instead of affirming your loyalty to God, embolden you to further away from God, that is dangerous. Because what profit a man if you gain the whole world, but you lose your spiritual life. How many of you can say amen? amen? That's why you need to sell her. That's why you need to begin this year by praying, realigning your spirit to God, with God. Church, particularly over these two major successes, Saul was more emboldened to further drift away from God. And that's why, while he is still performing his duties well, he is no longer performing it with a heart of honor. And church, between where you come from to who you're going to be, God is more concerned with how you get there. Right? You know, between from where you come from, you come from Lee Tek Seng, 
to become Li Ka Xing. God doesn't care. God wants to bless you. But he's more concerned how you get there. How do you become from Li Tek Seng to Li Ka Xing? He's more concerned. He's not concerned whether or not you become a Li Ka Xing or not. How many of you can say amen? Right? So be careful in the midst of your major victories that you don't unconsciously drift away from God. And it's a fine line that you don't even realize it. Saul himself didn't even realize it. Do you know? Let me give you an, give you an example. First Samuel 13. This is when he fought against the Philistines. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I say the Philistines will not come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly because you have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The first time was against the Philistines. Samuel, who was supposed to perform a religious rite before the army go to war, was late because the MRT broke down. <laughs> and because Samuel was late, Saul saw that the people were ready and the enemies were ready. And he said, the timing is just nice right now. We must strike while the iron is hot. And so he took upon himself to defy the commandment of God in order to please the terms of the people. He got emboldened. And the thing is this, he got the victory. Number two, against the Amalekites. Samuel said, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, brought back Agag, king of Amalek, I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Church, it's not so. Because he spared King Agag. And do you notice that in those two incidences of disobedience, they had nothing to do with immorality or big sins. In fact, both involve good military strategy that is necessary. But Saul, interestingly, those two acts of disobedience had to do with worship. The first one, when he had to offer sacrifices instead of waiting on Samuel. The second one, when he took the best spoils of Amalekites so that he said he wants to give it to the Lord as a sacrifice. Church, in both times, he chose what is good for the people instead of what God wants for the people. And every strategy that is not submitted to God will always end up sabotaging you. How many of you can say amen? And Saul has now willingly put the people's term above God's commands. He was quick to defend the people's term of worship instead of God's ways of worship. And even though the intention was right to worship God, but the focus has now changed from putting God first into pleasing people first. Instead of you hashtagging, put God first, now you change, put people first. Church, and it's a fine line. Because you think that you are doing right in the eyes of people, but you may not be doing right in the eyes of God. How many of you can say amen? And you can only learn to differentiate it when you sell to calibrate your heart and to hear from God. And God says, I need you to change to come back again 
to the pure heart of worship, to worship God instead of worshiping Him to make you successful. Come on, Sunday morning, are you, are you learning something this morning? Church, Saul's view towards worship has changed. My question to you, to you, have your view towards worship changed as a result of 2018 success? It's supposed to be work. It's supposed to be using work as worship to express our relationship with God. But it has now changed to using worship as a means for God to bless our work. And God would not let Himself be used by anyone. He is God. He is worthy to be worshipped, not worthy to be used to bless your work. Come on, hallelujah, amen, right? And church, I want you to get this. You know, I was reading this book from Eugene Peterson. That's how I got this message today. He says, somewhere along the line, Saul's God's anointed work ceased to be an expression of God's sovereignty and became Saul's responsibility for sovereignty. He took it upon himself. And now he thinks that he can create the blessing. Now he thinks that he can ask God to bless him. Now he thinks that he can use worship to cause God to bless him. No, church, when work and worship became two separate matters in our life, it is detrimental to our faith. When we worship with the sole purpose so that our work can succeed, or when we work so hard so that our worship can be successful, both are equally fatal. Church, what we want is work and worship becoming one. How many of you can say amen? Because our work originates from God, and our work is an expression of our worship. That's why we need to say lah. Turn to your neighbor and tell you, you need to learn to say lah. Why? So that the order is made right again. So that our spirit is aligned with Him all over again. So that both work and worship are not used as a means for blessing, but as an expression of our relationship with God. Church, it's a fine line. And if you are not careful, Success can cause you to drift away. And when you, drift, when you have drifted, you don't even realize it. Because you're always using the people as a reason or as an excuse. And to you, it seems right. And to the eyes of the people, it seems correct. But if there is one thing that you miss out, you miss out on pleasing God. Church, let us all start this year having a right heart, having a right attitude. Because when our heart is recalibrated again, our worship is pure and genuine. We will always worship God, not worship God just to make us successful. I want to end by saying this. You know what? As I was preparing this, God reminded me. And it, after preparing this sermon, this verse means so much to me. John 15, 5 to 8. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in Him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, 
and it shall be done for you. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so that you will be my disciples. What a great verse. Church, let's start 2019 by resting in God, by Selah, by rebuilding your upper room, by rebuilding and renovating your prayer time, rebuilding your quiet time, rebuilding your altar before the Lord. How many of you can say amen to that? Let's give the Lord one more big round of applause. <laughs> Hallelujah. Church, I want to end by giving this important announcement. So for 2019, I would like to encourage you to embark on this journey of prayer together with us in City Harvest. In two weeks' time, I want to invite you all to join us for a week long of praying together. One week of praying together. And we're going to call that week the crowning sessions. Now, it's not your teeth needed, needed to be crowned. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> crowning session is not for your teeth. But it's crowning session, right? It's a term that we use for our week-long prayer journey together. And it is based on Psalm 65 verse 11. I want you to read Psalm 65 verse 11 together. One, two, three. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance. As we set aside time to pray, let's believe in 2019 the abundant grace, provision, and goodness of God will overflow in our lives, our families, and our church as the Lord crowns our year and as we take time to crown Him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many of you can say amen? So how do we want to go about doing this? Church, many of you remember we had early morning prayer meetings, right? I see some of you scared already. <laughs> Many years ago, we had early morning prayer meetings in various locations around the island. Now, it was good, but not everyone could join us. Some had to get ready for work, for school, and had to be at home for various reasons. So, this year, we want to make it easy for everyone to participate, and we also would like to experiment on something new. So this year, the crowning sessions, the prayer together, are not like your usual prayer meetings. We are going digital. The prayer meetings will be held online from Monday, 14th of January to Friday, 18th of January from 7 to 8 a.m. So everyone can log in and join in in prayer. Each day, for one hour, a pastor and a pastoral team will be praying together and you can join them live via a special video link that will be made available through the CHC app and our CHC website. So that's why you need to download the app and you can join our online prayer meetings for that crowning session week. Now, good thing is, if you have a prayer request, you can log in using your CAC app account, sign in for one or make one, post your prayer request online, and we have a group of intercessors every day to pray through for your needs. So you can be on your way to work, log in online, and right where you are, you can pray in your heart together with us. We want everyone in our church to go into your room to pray so that this year, your Father in heaven will reward you openly. How many of you can say amen? Church, we have already made this digital. Eh? 
so much so easier. What excuse do we have in not praying? This year, let's begin the year by selahing before the Lord, praying to worship God with all of our heart. Amen? Hallelujah. Why don't we all stand up on our feet? Come on, praise the Lord. Now church, as we pray that weekend, that week, the crowning sessions will end with a church-wide prayer meetings. For Saturday, it will be held at 3.45pm and for Sunday, it will be held at 1.30pm after the service at the theatre. I'd like to encourage everyone to join. But this morning, let's begin 2019 by worshipping our Heavenly Father and by Selahing, giving our hearts right again before Him. Amen? Why don't we lift up our hands and pray in tongues, everyone. That's right, everybody. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to begin to pray. I want you to worship God. Not to worship God because to make Him success, make you successful. But to worship Him, spirit and in truth. A heart of worship, a pure heart. Let's sing this song together. Standing in all of your grace.
I'll follow you. Hallelujah. You know, church, this morning, I just felt compelled and I just felt led in my spirit just to share with you just a little bit. You know, church, I tell you something. God wants to bless you. God wants to reward you. And I have no doubt that many of you will become even more successful in life. You know what, church? When I was in Indonesia, when I was working together with my dad, you know, we prayed as much as I'm praying for Adidas and Nike, these two long-term contracts to come into my life because that will solidify my status as successful. In fact, God didn't give me Nike and Adidas, but God gave me a glimpse, a taste of that success, of that blessing by giving me an order by Kappa. And I still remember 19... In the year 2000 or 2001, uh, no, sorry, in 1995, 1994, 1995, God gave me an order by Kappa to supply labels to three football clubs in La Liga. Do you know I supplied for Barcelona, Atletico Bilbao, and Real Betis in 1995, 1994, when they were sponsored by Kappa? Those, that order was like the biggest order in my life. It actually rescued my company from bankruptcy. But do you know, can I tell you this? Do you know that after that success, after that blessing, it didn't affirm my loyalty to God. In fact, after that blessing, I backslid it. In fact, after that blessing, after I got so much success, I was still young then. I'm still young now, but I'm still very young then. Yeah. At that time, I was only 20 years old, 21 years old. I was not ready for success. <laughs> In fact, I backslid it. It took Pastor Kong to come all the way to Indonesia to rescue me out of my backsliding. And that's how I ended up back here in Singapore. And I'm still serving God until right now. So, thank Pastor for that. Church, this is something that I want to convey to you. You may be praying for your biggest blessing. And do you know that God has no comes whatsoever to bless you? But make sure that the blessing affirms your loyalty to God, not drift you further or embolden you to drift further away from God. Church, that's why we need to always sell. We need to keep our hearts right before the Lord and align our hearts back again to Jesus. Because if not, before you know it, at the end of this year, you are so far away from God. Just a little variant. Tonight, this morning, let's put our heart right again. Worship God genuinely. Friends, if that is you, I want you to say this prayer together with me as we begin 2019 together. Amen? Let's just lift up our hands. I want you to say this prayer together with me. Dear Jesus, I want to come back to the heart of worship. Let the blessing let successes affirm my loyalty to you and not embolden me to drift further away from God. Jesus, I want to sell. Recalibrate my heart. Recalibrate my spirit. That I will always worship you. Not to worship you in order to make me successful. I want you to lift up your hands and pray in tongues right now. I want you to pray for yourself. That's right. 
We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. All together now, my Jesus. My Jesus, my Lord, you're the love of Father, I pray that you will change our hearts to become a heart of gold. Father, Lord, that we will worship you genuinely, not worship you in order to make us successful. I pray that as we begin this year with a right heart, with a right attitude, Father, you say no word out of our heart will flow the issues of life. And Father, it will bring us to the right direction. It will bring us to grace, mercy, and blessing. So Father, we pray that this year, let us rebuild our upper room, rebuild our prayer life, Rebuild our quiet time. And as we do that, Lord, you will pour out your blessing upon each and every one of us. So, Father, we thank you in advance for a great 2019. And all the people of God say, all the people say, come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. Woo! Sing that one last time. My Jesus. My Jesus, my Lord, your love of my And all the people say, thank you so much. Happy New Year to everyone. Let's start the year with a good one by learning to rebuild our prayer time. God bless you and have a wonderful weekend ahead. Thank you so much. God bless you. And that's the end of this week's podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts. 
email us at connect at chc.org.sg 